I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, I'm at Auckland's waterfront on the peninsula of the Wynyard Quarter, and I'm looking across at a man who's spraying down a concrete mixer on the Firth concrete site, and that site will go under a grand plan with $300 million to be spent over 15 years to redevelop this peninsula to turn the old tank farm into public space. So today on The Detail, I'm going to find out what's in that plan to create the first park in downtown central Auckland for 100 years. And this next phase could be the most challenging part of this whole waterfront development. After their first successful defence on home waters, Emirates Team New Zealand do it again in a new class of boat that proves Kiwis can fly. It's the place to go for big events like the America's Cup and Rugby World Cup. But developing the waterfront for these extravaganzas has cost Auckland ratepayers hundreds of millions of dollars. And now $300 million is needed to turn Wynyard Point from a toxic wasteland into a park. So is it the right place to spend the money? It's a huge investment. You know, it'll be hun- hundreds of millions of dollars over a long period of time. How you deliver something that is as meaningful to somebody living in Henderson or Otara as it is to people in the more well-off central suburbs who can pop down there on their e-bike. More from Stuff's Todd Nile shortly, but first I'm walking around Wynyard Point with Fiona Knox from Eke Panuku, that's Auckland Council's development and property agency. So here is part of the America's Cup bases. Yes, just a few months ago, this was actually the international broadcast centre, wasn't it? At least temporary buildings. Exactly. So um, it was kind of the hub of the event. So now you can see it's actually quite a big piece of concrete that we are now working on our transitional strategy in terms of how we pop up and pop down activities and events. Uh Um, And so we'll be doing that for the next two to three years or potentially even longer, depending on what's happening with the America's Cup coming back back to Auckland. So, yeah, we have this kind of flexible space that we're able to accommodate people coming and going, really. It's like having a house and we're opening it up for the party. Yeah, um, it's a great spot, isn't it? Because when you look across here, you've got the fantastic cityscape. And then behind us are the old, big old yeah, concrete... the old silo tanks. Yeah, and silo tanks. park. Yeah. And then directly behind us, that's sort of like the old yeah, Wynyard Quarter, yeah, isn't well, it? Yeah, that's our marine precinct, really, and we've always been working really hard alongside creating a, a public waterfront to also have a, a working waterfront. You know, on the other side, obviously, there's deep water access, which is hugely valuable for that sector. So under your plans for this peninsula that industrial part of it will stay. Yeah, the marine industry. What will be new? What are the plans for it? So where you can see past Sea Link, that's uh, another industrial site where that lease ends, and that will be, again, another development site that supports a a marine-type use. Past that, you'll see kind of a funny-looking shed. That's the boundary for the new park on that side, that western side of the headland and as we walk up further you'll see 
heaps more space for where the park's going to be. And what is this total area? So this whole headland that we're on is 10 hectares, five of which will be future public open space that we're planning for. So the remainder will be um, development sites over time, street networks, and, and also to where you can see, kind of just as we're walking past, there'll be a big linear stretch in front of where the bases are. So that will also link back to Doldy Street or link back to Victoria Park. So we're creating this big, long, green connection from the top of the peninsula there back to the city centre. And now we're going past the INEOS Team UK base and then the next one that we're going past is American Magic. I see they've still got the signs up. Yeah, so until everybody knows what's happening with AC37... These two buildings and, and will stay as our tenants. These guys will stay until that decision is made, which I believe is in September. And across this road, this is the area that's going to be turned into a park. Yes. What is this space going to look like? Because right now it's surrounded by scaffolding fencing. You can't get in there and it's just a, like a flat piece of dirt really with a bit of grass Hmm. I should say it's like this right now because the tenant is still exiting so they've still got uh, a lot of contamination remediation to do through to next year Who were the tenants? Uh, So it was Stolthaven with a tenant on the in terms of the tanks and Shell is the underlying leaseholder In fact, completely separate to this arrangement, this was the site of a big legal battle between the council and Mobile that ended in 2016. Auckland ratepayers have been left with a $10 million clean-up bill after the Supreme Court ruled the oil giant Mobile didn't have to clean up contamination at that site. Mobile used the land on Auckland's downtown waterfront to bulk store petroleum products from the 1920s all the way to 2005. So this is the old sort of famous, infamous tank tank farm. Exactly right, yeah. The tank farm got its name for the dozens of huge storage tanks that sit on reclaimed land near swanky Auckland developments like the viaduct and the Wynyard Quarter. Auckland Council wants to turn it into buildings and parkland, but years of seepage means it has to be decontaminated first. Lots of work to do to remediate the sites to make it safe for the public. And, you know, we're creating the cake right now and putting the icing on the top kind of thing. What does that mean to clean up? What does that take? Uh, So there's a lot of um, remediation under the ground required. So the further you dig, the more contaminated it gets. So that contamination would be in the soil. So obviously you've got to get rid of that or cap it and create a safe environment for everybody. Because as you can see uh, right now, there's some water pooling there. Mm. Lots of the work that we will have to do very early on before anyone can even get on site is to get a good stormwater system in place so it captures the stormwater so you can treat it. So it's obviously not um, going into the receiving environment, into the water. So heaps of work to do to kind of make it a safe place before we kind of open it up to the public. So why is this land contaminated? Well, because it's, it is reclaimed pretty much um, back to Victoria Park, so all of the city centre's kind of on reclaimed land, and that land was reclaimed mostly for industrial purposes. So particularly in Winyard Quarter, if you look at some of the old images, a lot of that's been uh, really quite heavy industry. And so over many, many, many years, many years, um, you know, that, that industrial use contaminates the land. Mm. Um, it's nothing to be worried about because 
because you know we're we've we know it's there. We know how to manage it. It's a costly costly it thing is, to have, yeah. though. Isn't it? But we've learnt a lot from the past in terms of the development that's happened in Winyard Quarter about not digging too deep, because the more you dig, the more contaminants you come up against. So capping it is, is a safe way to deal and, and encase the contaminants in there, which is a pretty standard practice nowadays. Right, capping it and mm. encasing it. Yeah. Which is what, pouring concrete over the top? Clay, yeah, clay. clay. So, once that's been decontaminated, what next? Yes, got, well we haven't quite designed it yet, we've got a few things running. We're working on our uh, refreshed Winyard Quarter Master Plan and we're also having to do our plan change. So that kind of sets the parameters for where the different park pieces need to go in the development. We also have been working with Mana Whenua uh, in terms of co-designing that master plan and getting these kind of essential outcomes set for this next stage of development, which includes what the park will look like and feel like. So at the moment, it's, it's an evocative idea rather than a design we've still got to procure the designers and kind of go through quite a detailed design exercise um, with the public as well to see what the park will look like you know we've been talking about it being a wild space it's so unique where it is in terms of it being surrounded by water that the design teams will need to really factor those um, those things in, factor in climate change resilience. We out we're out on a peninsula, so you can imagine we'll probably be having undulating kind of um, landscape to accommodate and factor in any climate change resilience needs. We've also got the side up to the top here on the north western side that um, we really envisage being this. Um, ecological restoration space as part of the sea link infrastructure works that we did uh, we had to relocate uh, some endangered red bill gulls up just kind of where we are here behind us mm-hmm. and we had to use decoys to kind of encourage them up to this northern part of the headland and of course you know we want to keep protecting those gulls and having that kind of um, living environment up there too so there's mm. heaps of opportunities Uh, to build all of those things into the future design. What do you think your biggest challenges are going to be? Because this is the first park for Auckland... Yeah, for for the city centre in 100 years. Yeah. Wow. So the challenge is the expectation. (laughs) That waterfront is a gem for all of us as Aucklanders and we need to reconnect it. What to do with the prime land has been debated and fought over for decades. The wharves and downtown buildings sit on reclaimed land. The message was clear. No further taking our harbour. Over the last 150 years, uh, the harbour has been halved in width. And we are saying no more exploitation but for port activities. Auckland Council published a vision for the waterfront in 2005, but this TVNZ report dates back to 1989. 100 hectares of prime Auckland real estate, but nothing much here to tempt the tourist. All that could change, though, if one of these waterfront redevelopment proposals is taken up. Stadium ambitions have come and gone. The central section of the Auckland waterfront redeveloped, anchored by a new 50,000-seat 
fully enclosed all-weather stadium, which is sunken down into the seabed. It's absolutely beautiful. It will look magnificent. The plans include knocking down two existing wharves, extending Bledisloe and building thousands of homes and commercial buildings alongside. And looming over it all, the port. It's not even an elephant in the room. It's sort of like a herd of elephants in the stadium or something like that. That is an enormous question which has huge appeal to debate. But, but moving the port would be the biggest thing that the country has ever done in terms of infrastructure. Stuff's Todd Nile is with me on the newest part of the waterfront redevelopment next to the ferry building called Te Wananga. And someone will figure out how to do it, I assume. I, I can't envisage how it would happen. But, you know, there's spectacular reuses that you could make of that part of the waterfront. When you look at Wynyard Quarter, and it's going to take there's 30 years of potential development in that 10 hectares there. You know, what could we do if suddenly we had 70 hectares of more of the existing port space, potentially partly toxic industrial land to redevelop? Could we cope? Hopefully we could, because it would, if it came along it would be a fantastic opportunity. But the port in the shorter term is as much about trying to relocate the port and the transport and the infrastructure and the rail and the roads and how everything moves around the upper North Island, then it will be about what fabulous public uses we could make of the land afterwards. But if we talk about the development of the waterfront, which has been going on for decades, there have been uh, controversies, a lot of debate about what should be done with it, and also a lot of complaints that... Auckland has been so late in the development of its waterfront. You know, people look as closely as, as Wellington to say, look look at what they've done. What do you think of the way the development has been handled? Well, Wellington had one advantage. Wellington managed to get in really early, what was it, the 80s or 90s, they got on. The advantage that Wellington had was their waterfront didn't really have much else going on on it. You know, there wasn't much shipping anymore, so they actually had almost surplus waterfront space that they really had to try and find something else to do with. So that's why they got ahead of the game and got ahead of Auckland. Auckland still has a very busy waterfront and that's why there's so much debate about can we prize the port out because this is not idle waterfront space. But apart from this bit that we're sitting in Tawananga, which is near the centre of the waterfront, I guess all of the action has been down the western end. The Wynyard Quarter, um, the original area developed for the America's Cup in 2000 and 2003. Uh, and so it's kind of gone in fits and starts, mostly with America's Cups as catalysts for the next stage of development. I guess the vision, the whole vision, or the whole idea for developing uh, the waterfront here in downtown Auckland is to make it more accessible to people. And so do you think it's been successful in that way? Yeah, I think so. Even you know, from the small beginnings, the very first part of North Wharf down in Winyard Quarter, which was had the eateries and so on, opened in time for the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Now you look at it, it's no big deal, but that was a big leap forward to the way... Aucklanders and visitors to Auckland could use that part of the waterfront and and that's been hugely successful you know it's still one of the places when people come to Auckland that they go and walk and eat and drink and you know uh, hang over and look at the harbour and that development is going to expand now onto that new land that has been cleared for the America's Cup the old Wynyard Wharf, Wynyard Point which was a stinky old petrochemical tank farm because of the America's Cup 
the oil companies and the chemical companies are out of there, the land has been cleared, uh, it's still not ready to build on, but it has, has accelerated what would be quite a spectacular feature of Auckland's waterfront. There's been a lot of talk about that and given the cost of getting rid of the tank farm. That was an expensive exercise and that's where the government came in and you know basically took over those negotiations and got the oil companies out faster than they intended to. But when you look at that piece of land there's 10 hectares, it's like a little peninsula jutting out into the Waitamata harbour. It is a truly spectacular possibility for Auckland's waterfront. And so the pressure will be on because Panuka is about, about to put its plan to the council. I mean, the expectations of what to do with it. Yeah, not everyone is going to agree with the master plan at the start, but you have to remember where it's come from, when it was first proposed a decade or so ago, in that classic old Auckland way. It was going to be largely commercial buildings developed there, with a bit of parkland at the end, but, you know, we could only have so much parkland because we had to make the money off the developments. Whereas the thinking has clearly shifted now that there is value, there is economic value as well as social value to having just a great park on Auckland's waterfront. So I think the, the project has come a long way from where it started. Who is it for? Who gets to go there? Because it's not the easiest place to get to, say, if you were in south or west or the furthest reaches of North Auckland. Yeah, I mean, that is a fascinating element of the discussion about not only how we develop the waterfront, but how we develop the waterfront instead of or alongside developing other parts of Auckland. And, you know, people talk about, oh, you'll be able to jog around there in your lunch hour. So you're talking then about professional people who have corporate offices nearby and so on. It's a huge investment, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars over a long period of time. How you deliver something that is as meaningful to somebody living in Henderson or Otara as it is to people in the more well-off central suburbs who can pop down there on their e-bike. Public transport may be part of the answer. They say that during the free public transport day that diverse people from all over Auckland came down to the waterfront. So that is possibly one thing that that could change into the future. But I find that a fascinating financial decision, if you like. Not only how much money should you spend on the waterfront, but at what point should you be saying, actually, as we look at climate change, the way people's lives might change, should we be trying to make the Hendersons, the Takapunas, the Onihangas more spectacular with public spaces that people can use and enjoy closer to where they live. So that's going to be a big challenge because the waterfront has always been an easy hit, if you like. Mm. You know, there's buckets and buckets of public money gone in there, taxpayer and ratepayer, great urban designers, there's, there's really no pushback. Whereas if you start spending money and trying to transform suburban neighbourhoods, there's political risk there. You know, there are street protests in Henderson because people don't like the way traffic has been restricted in trial out there. So at what point does... Does political courage come into it and say, yes, we're going to do the waterfront, but we're also going to make other parts of Auckland as spectacular for people to stay in? We're, of course, conscious of that and making part of our vision and has been right from day one is making it a publicly accessible space and development. What we noticed with Matariki uh, a couple of weeks back, we just got this incredible diversity of people come and access and just be on the waterfront which was just 
it, like I, I've said to the team, it just made my heart sing because this is what we do this stuff for. And that's 2021. Like I say, we've got 15 years to go, so you can imagine that we're always going to be trying to improve how people get down here through PT, through walking and cycling, um, making the city centre more accessible. One of the things that we're also deliberate in doing is not having, not creating spaces that people have to pay to come and see. So just being down here and um, putting your picnic blanket down or whatever, those things are free. Okay, yeah. 300 million over 15 years, a lot of money. Yeah. Are we going to hear people saying that money should be going to communities in other parts of the city that don't get this focus? Well, through the long-term plan process, that's been a de- deliberate decision that the councillors have debated, um, and that's the $300 million that we've been allocated over time. There's always cycles that uh, money can be reallocated elsewhere, but city centre is our core economic engine. Um, these places that we're creating are destinations for all of Aucklanders. It's the, our international kind of face. So there'll always be that um, discussion and um, tension, but at the the same time we are you know still building our shop front in a way in terms of what we're delivering to Aucklanders and to the rest of the world. Does it matter that the um, America's Cup probably isn't going to come back here next time? So we've always been conscious that that's been a possibility which is you know when earlier I talked to you about our transitional strategy that's been a really good tool for us to go well, if it's not here, we've got this space and we know we can program it. We can. Uh, it needs to be open and flexible. We can pack in and pack out, do those kinds of things. So we've, we've actually prepared for that. And what you, you can see here too is the new infrastructure has actually created this new amphitheatre. We've actually got this kind of new stage to play with. Mm. So the legacy that it's left in terms of this infrastructure we've got to work with is really great. Without diminishing what they've done, I mean, how could you not get it right down there? You've got the Waitemata Harbour, you've got the urban waterfront, you've got lots of public money, you've got urban developers, how could you get it wrong? But at some point the question will be... Should you be getting other areas as right as the waterfront is right? That's all for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. And if you want to get in touch, email us at thedetail at rnz.co.nz. Alexia Russell produced this episode. Our engineer today was Jeremy Ansell. And thanks to Todd Nile and Fiona Knox. Kakite anō. Ka